Broadcasting live from Business Radio X Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Learning Insights. Featuring learning professionals, improving performance to drive business results. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. I'm your host, Stone Payton, and in the studio with me this morning, as is often the case, is my good friend and co-host, Lee Cantor. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Mr. Stone. How are things in your world? I'm doing pretty well, getting jazzed again. You know, I'm getting to where I travel almost every weekend, and my next exotic trip. You mean you trip. vacation almost every weekend? This is this is work. That's good. Trying to spin sort. it like <laughs> vacationing as working. So I'm headed to Washington D.C. Uh, with wife and daughter, and uh, as you know, she's going to George Mason to pursue her master's degree and continue bleeding my bank account. That's right. So it's we're an investment. <laughs> it's an investment, exactly. So uh, we're breaking her plate Friday morning and driving up there and dropping her off. And uh, from then on... Are you going to stop the car or just drop and roll? <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Absolutely. I have to pull you all the whole way up there. Oh, wow. So that's what's going on with us. But uh, but we're looking forward to it. It's, it's going to be fun. But not as much fun as this segment. In this segment, we're going to get a chance to visit with Senior Vice President with Mulling Corporation, uh, Rachel McConnell-Berg. But first up, uh, we want to check in with uh, David Edelman with uh, Training Pro to see what's going on there. What's happening with you, man? I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Um, doing great. Doing great. Yeah, having a good time, uh, working hard, and um, getting ready for ACE, which is coming up. That's uh, Every time we see you, it's one of these events. Was the last yeah. time we were hanging <laughs> out together, wasn't it like at, at ICE? Was, was it, it ICE? Was it D.C.? We were in D.C. Right. then, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we were interviewing people at the trade show and all this. So you're just, you're, you really like the trade show environment. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> is that your deal? <laughs> well, you know, that's, uh, we're, we're sponsoring um, ACE, and, so, and we'll have a booth there and all that. So we work in the booth, of course. This is not, this is not time to brag right now. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on in ACE? Tell us what we can expect. Well, um, it's it's uh, really about um, getting a, gaining competitive edge and upgrading your competency. So there's a great you know keynote speakers, um, lots of great sessions to go to. It's on August 5th, and it's at the uh, Marriott Northwest on Interstate Parkway, 8 to 4:30. And you can register by going to uh, astdatlanta.org/events. And you're going to be there. You're going to speak. I'm not speaking. No, um, I'll speak to you if you come by the booth. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> So now, uh, what else is happening there? That's a place for education? Is there good speakers? Well, what's going on there? All what kinds are, of great what are the highlights? <clears throat> yeah, the highlights are, are the two keynote speakers. Um, Bill Treasurer um, with Giant Leap Consulting is going to talk about uh, opening doors for, of opportunity. And then Jeannie Meister is the lunch keynote talking about innovation in the workplace. That's going to be great. And then um, all kinds of great speakers are actually broken up into different uh, kind of categories. Uh, the concurrent sessions talking about learning technologies, um, managing learning programs, training design and delivery, talent development, performance improvement, all kinds of great stuff. So you definitely learn a lot. It, it, that guy, his his real last name is Treasurer. Is that Treasurer, for real yeah. or is that like a stage name? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> if I get a chance to see him, I'll ask. All right. So Training <laughs> Pros is, uh, is helping to sponsor some of this activity, mm-hmm. but they also have some major sponsors in uh, Cornerstone and in uh, Harvard Business Publishing and you got a lot of folks supporting you guys. Absolutely. Skillsoft. Skillsoft. All these folks are all uh, help sponsors for ACE. And uh, it's going to be a great day. You know, like I said, opportunity to really learn a lot, network with all the training, you know, all the 
the cool training people here in That's Atlanta. right. <laughs> well, we'll look forward to it. Uh, all those training geeks. <laughs> all right, so let's visit with your guest, all right? All right? So we have with us Rachel McConnell-Berg. She is Senior Vice President with Mullion Corporation. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So are you going to show up at this ACE thing, or have you decided I, yet? I've already signed up. I'm ready to go. I will be there. So what, in your experience, has been the value of participating in um, or even contributing to events like this? What, what do you get out of it personally and professionally? Well, the networking aspects are always useful because, um, as he referred to us as training geeks, we're all you know knowledge junkies, and we love learning new things, but also being able to collaborate with other thought leaders in the industry and being able to be in breakout sessions and other things like that. So it's the networking, it's the new knowledge. Are there any thought leaders you like at this event that you're looking forward to uh, Well, inno learn about? Innovation is um, you know one of the pieces that I, I work with a lot. So Jeannie Meister is one I'm looking forward to, to visiting with and learning more from. But at Mulling, you have a thought leader kind of in the room with you guys, don't you? Yeah, Emory Mulling has been <laughs> around for 27 years in Atlanta, um, cutting-edge HR guru that people lean into for his expertise, absolutely. Right, he's got books, radio shows, got a lot going on. Yeah. Oh, if he's got a radio show. Then you know, I, right there. I say I'm no impressed. More. You have a radio show, <laughs> so you can see where that gets you. That's right. <laughs> so why don't you share a little bit about Mulling and what makes you guys different? Um, first of all, we're a boutique. You were talking a few minutes ago about boutique. Being a boutique solution, we go in and... Um, assess our clients needs um we don't go in with a cookie cutter this is our program let's impose that on your teams let's impose that on your executives um it's more about fitting the solution to the individual um so first of all all of our consultants have been in senior levels um with major corporations so they all have had experience with what they're talking about mm -hmm. that's unique um a lot of people have education but not street knowledge so Having that kind of expertise on the bench is extremely useful. Um, and, you know, we're an Atlanta company, which it, we bring all that southernness to, to the table. <laughs> are your clients mainly so in Atlanta, or you have clients all over the world? We have global clients, mm -hmm. but uh, we bring the south wherever we go. Now, what's the pain that the company's having where they go, you know what, this is, we got to call mulling for this? Well, I joke about originally 27 years ago when he started. It was very much about um, the big boys and uh, very occasionally the big girls at the C-suite not playing nice in the sandbox. Um, in other words, they were rose up in the organization up to the very top, and then suddenly their style wasn't working as far as being able to lead the organization. So they would call in Mullen Corporation to do executive consulting and coaching specifically. Um, in some cases, outplacement was necessary, um, in which case we would take them into an outplacement program, continue working with them so that they could be placed in a more appropriate organization. Um, being able to, to... We call that freeing up your future. Uh-huh, freeing up your future because it's not here. Sorry. <laughs> so helping people play nicely in the sandbox. Also be able to identify those um, rising leaders, the ones that are going to be coming up next. So how do you do that? How do you identify a rising leader? Again, customize. We sit down with our – the leadership knows who's coming up. Um, but we do have assessment tools that we mm -hmm. lean into um, that help us identify behavioral styles that are going to be most successful. And we help them um, both put together teams that are effective, help the leaders know um, what pieces were missing, 
in the top leadership team and then within the organization looking for that type of talent based on um, behavioral style. Now, you guys, uh, or at least you personally, you're a real proponent of what you would characterize as collaborative leadership. Is that, is that accurate? Absolutely, yeah. So can you speak to that a little bit, help us define it, and maybe give us some operational examples of, of how it unfolds? Well, traditional leadership, of course, has been the leadership team goes off onto a, an executive retreat, and they come up with the vision, and they come back to the organization, and it's kind of top-down. They've already figured it out. They're pushing it down to the organization, and they're looking for engagement um, based on the merits of the, the vision. Um, today, uh, not only do we have a new workforce that's demanding collaboration, um, but they found it's actually more effective, and um, it's actually the competitive edge. So being able to lead collaboration, though, is a different thing. Um, being able to sit in your corner office and send out memos and dictate um, next steps is one way of leadership. Um, but being able to sit around in your blue jeans and your Friday casual and be able to have the gravitas to lead a collaborative endeavor, allow for contribution, but then actually lead <coughs> such that the right choices end up happening is actually a skill, and it needs to be coached and groomed. It's not something necessarily that comes naturally. So now, uh, how do you manage collaboratively virtually? Doesn't that, that have unique challenges? <laughs> Absolutely. Double-layered. It's double-layered, exactly, because you've got you know, a lot of... Thought. A lot of trust there. Absolutely. Right? Because there's something about proximity that allows you to, you know, just say two words, and then people get it, and you communicate it. But virtually, if you're only chatting... Every so often, it's harder. You know, some of that slips through the cracks. No question. Um, I've just completed a year-long leadership course, um, and w my roommate was from Dubai. We had people from Scotland, you know, uh, Miami, Toronto, all over. And um, the virtual pieces, particularly the technology, can be really tricky because you're right. You don't have the... Um, the capacity to pick up on body language. Right. Over 90% of our communication is nonverbal. It's the energy that we have. So being able to um, communicate that is... In a text. In Can a text. Exactly. <laughs> in fact, is that how good mulling is? You're able to teach that? Boom. Just <laughs> nail it. It's an emoticon, right? It's That's an emoticon. Secret? That's it. It's all about the emoticons, <laughs> especially for the millennials. <laughs> well, it is interesting because, and in fact, I was just talking with somebody, um, and I was actually talking to Emery the other day, and we were called in to do conflict management because frequently the big boys in the sandbox and, and girls at the top, it's the CFO and the um, COO that are going at it. <laughs> um, and he was talking about a particular two gentlemen who were literally in offices next to each other, and there was a glass partition between them, and they were sitting on their computers shooting off emails. To each other? <laughs> to each other. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that could be a problem. Yeah. So <laughs> even if people are in the proximity, they will <laughs> right. frequently lean into this wow. email kind of format. And Grown men. She's yeah. talking about right. Grown men. Not kids. Oh, no. Oh, no. It, oh, <laughs> wow. it is. It's amazing what goes on in the C-suite. Wow. So being able to pull them, you know, first of all, out of the offices and then do the, the collaborative work. And so you're right. It, it's a, always a combination of in-person and virtual mm -hmm. for that reason. And, and what about the employee or employees who may have come from a more traditional uh, environment, and then all of a sudden you want to drop them in and we say, hey, we're collaborative here around Business Radio X, and the last time this guy shared an idea in his last company, he got his hand chopped off. Um, any strategies for that to get them to trust you and get, get them to engage and be willing to take the risk of sharing ideas and 
There's no question that um, collaboration, particularly when your um, income is at stake, ah. is a higher risk endeavor. Because if you think that your job is at, at risk, then suddenly how you dance in that environment is very different. So you're, you're right. There's a lot of um, groundwork that needs to, to, to happen. We have a particular um, partnership with Wiley Corporation, which is a publishing company that has um, – team. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book. but it, Well, I'm encouraged that he got it down to five. So I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to give it a read. <laughs> um, he has worked with Wiley, um, who has purchased an assessment company, um, and created a an assessment for a team that has the underlying assessment tool of DISC. People in the HR world know what a DISC is. Are you familiar with DISC? Sure. It's a behavioral analysis tool. On top of it is actually um, an assessment tool for the team to self-identify itself on the categories of trust, which, of course, is the first place for collaboration. Right. Um, conflict, and we're talking about healthy conflict. We're talking about um, the type of um, differences of, of, of idea, cognitive diversity that actually creates innovation. Um, then there's accountability, and then, of course, high-performing results. So with this program, with this assessment tool, you're able to identify the team, then go through a cho- co- coaching period, develop some of these capacities, because you're right, trust is the very first piece. Right, but I think conflict's an important part of this, because mm-hmm. a lot of people are trying to, like, remove conflict. Right. And that's not really what you want, right? You want to have conflict, because that's the friction is where, you know, the diamond gets made. So you need some of that, but it has to be respectful, and it has to be where there is, I guess, trust. That's why that's the foundational point, right? So you can have conflict in a safe environment that everybody feels free to share, even though they may not implement whatever idea that they're espousing. It's called creative abrasion, Uh and it's absolutely necessity. Cognitive diversity is a very important piece for anything that you're doing. I was working with a gentleman (coughs) who had several... um, banks and he said this particular bank everybody loves their customer and they're getting along great the problem is they're not crossing their t's or dotting their i's and we're losing money over at this particular branch right this other branch over here um they are crossing their t's they're dotting their i's they're barely looking up to see their customers coming through the door and so we're losing customers both of them are losing money because they had too much similarity in cognitive style so one is kind of a sales organization. Right. The other one's kind of an accounting organization. What happens is the hiring manager is hiring themselves. They are wanting to be around people that think and do things the way they do things. Right. So having people who actually are different than you, having the accountant and the salesman sit down at the right, table. Right, so you split up each of them and mix them together. You probably yes. have two more effective organizations. The, the strongest teams have got like four core behavioral styles on them, and they're not missing anything. And if you do miss it... Um, you you will see the effectiveness of the team diminish. So what are those four? It, to use simplistic, in the DISC, there's the D, I, S, and C. But we'll just say the D is the high-dominating kind of Donald Trump dude, right? Um, I is kind of your cheerleader, the one who gets it. Come on, everybody's going to be fun. The S is kind of the water cooler type. They're the ones who make sure that everybody's birthday gets celebrated and that everybody's, you know, they are the ones who know the project isn't going to happen because somebody's pregnant and nobody else knows they're pregnant. Yet, right. right. That's the S. <laughs> and then the C is your cross the T, dot your I, engineer accounting like right. that. You need somebody 
that's that way. It's a hole puncher. Right. They're the ones who say, nope, not going to happen. This is going to be the problem. This is going to be the problem. And we tend to really treat those poor people poorly because it's like the I comes in with their brand new idea. This is going to be fabulous. And, and the D's like, we got to get it done today. And the S goes, well, that sounds all right. But let's, you know, and the C's like, it's not going to happen. Yeah, that'll never work. It's never going to work. <laughs> but it's important to, to have those hole punchers come in with your ideas because um, that's what has you actually implemented. And you also can have that. You need to be challenged so that you can come up with an argument that says, yeah, it is going to happen and here's why. And if you can get them to believe that's to be so, then it probably is going to really happen. Yeah. So it really truly is this respect for cognitive diversity um, that is the cornerstone. And the trap is then the hiring person mm -hmm. hires people that are just like themselves because they like them and they because they like themselves. Yeah. And then you have a team that's just too homogenous. Yeah. Yeah. And what was that other term you used? Creative abrasion? Yes. Yeah, you're going to hear that on a future <laughs> business. You're steal that. <laughs> That's a really cool <laughs> phrase. I like that a lot. Every time you respond uh, during this conversation, it is immediately apparent. You're just immersed in this world. You love your work. Where did it all start? What, what is your backstory? Wow. Um, long time ago because i've been a traditional sales personality that high i yay go get it done it's <laughs> right. fun um and i realized you can only do so much on your own in other words if i really want to do something big i have to put together a team and i really was not very good at it at all because i just wanted to tell them what to do and have them do it or i wanted to do it all myself which is a problem that happens with our style um beginning to learn how to put together a team enroll them in the vision of what is being created engagement and then have them actually begin doing it. Um, I, a long time ago, I started taking some courses because I knew I needed to do it. And then through uh, being the learning junkie we referred to earlier, I just kept being challenged by it, being engaged with it, having success with it, having failures with it, and learning that it was something that um, over time I could practice and become better. So I've done lots and lots of education um, in regards to team management and leadership programs. I've done um, individual uh, executive coaching programs, uh, team coaching programs to become better and better, and then actually doing it in the field. So Well, you, you clearly love it, and, you, and <laughs> you're right in your wheelhouse. How did you guys get connected, David? How, how do you know each other? ASTD. ASTD, absolutely. <laughs> so again, it's, it's ASTD has, has proven to be a really a good catalyst or platform for facilitating these relationships, and relationships are important in your business, clearly. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So now, when you talk about leadership, is this something that that you can just find leaders or you can actually teach a leader? Is it is it somebody you have to, you know, identify and go, oh, that guy's a leader, so I can I want him part of the team? Or is this something that you have a um, methodology where you can go, okay, I can take just anybody off the street in Craigslist like I found Stone <laughs> and said I can make him a radio host. <laughs> and then we have a methodology. So is that, uh, is that how it works Includes with leaders? A lot of candy, I'm <laughs> sure. Right, candy um, and coffee. That's what we found <laughs> works here. Um, there's a great debate that rages about whether leadership is something that someone either intrinsically has or does not. Right. Um, I think that there are certain styles that are, have a greater propensity for it, and um, I think that there's some grooming that needs to be, happen always. Is it a anybody on the DISC at DISC, are they all potential leaders? 
Yes, they lead. So that has nothing to do with it. They lead differently. Right. They lead differently, and Mm. each of them require other styles to be partnered with them for them to be successful. To get the most out of it. Exactly. But it is something that can be coached. It is something that can be um, uh, enhanced with tools Mm. and and learning and development. There are things that can be, these, these leaders can be, um, given that will enhance their capacities. So like when mulling comes in and they can do like an assessment, they go, this person has something. And then if you do these things or use these tools, then we can bring it out. Is Absolutely. that part of your value proposition to clients? Absolutely. And, and, and over time, this is the piece. It's like, you know, it's practice. It's like a 90-minute thing. Like it's going to take more time than that. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's like regular coaching. When I first started in coaching, they're like, you know, looking at me like football. No, I'm not coaching football. <laughs> Five foot four, it's not mm-hmm. happening. Um, no, I, it, 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 like coaching, like a good coach can watch an athlete and say, turn your left heel in slightly and you're going to get a better grip. You're going to get mm. one tenth of a second faster. You're going to win the game. Right. That's exactly what executive coaching and team coaching does is for the executive. I can tell him you need to turn your foot in slightly. You need to adapt your style. If you're the big Donald Trump type, you need to Dial it down a bit. Show it out. If you're going to be working with a sweet, you know, one who's who's making sure everybody's birthday is being celebrated, you cannot come in and say, you're fired. (laughs) You know, you're going to have to. She won't think that's hilarious. She will not think it's funny. (laughs) It's not funny at all. Um, And be able to deal, you know, to to helping them. I tell people, you get to be your style 95% of the time. You can go and bluster about or go fast or go slow. But 10% of the time you have to adapt so you can partner and collaborate to get the most out of your team exactly and that's what leadership is exactly so now when mulling's in there and they're doing their work is this something since you guys are all like seasoned executives that you know you do the assessment stuff but over time have you been able to sense like at a glance like oh i can see i can kind of sense this and that's where your expertise comes in where you can kind of it can all happen faster because you're all senior executives oh no question because when you have a theory about what works um that's okay right but it's actually well that that sounds good that doesn't really quite work the way you right. think so it's you can be. eliminate things just at a glance right in a shorter period of time yeah not to mention a lot of the tools that we lean into are our industry um leaders cutting edge but also proven over time right yeah so does mulling or do you personally have a a sweet spot in terms of uh, industry sector or something like that, like certain types of organizations that you work more or best with, or do you carve it up for some of your practitioners, maybe work more on healthcare? And in 27 years, he literally has touched every single industry. Is that right? And because um, leadership up at the top is, is <coughs> leadership, regardless of what you're doing, whether you're doing widgets or you're doing law, you know, it, it, it's all the same kinds of things. Um, <coughs> But he would. We were just talking yesterday about how fun it is to to learn about different industries. One of our how bad we get. We we learn more about like manufacturing than you could possibly know, and legal issues, and it's just fascinating. Medical. I mean, really, you get to learn so much going in. We don't have to be subject matter experts, right? Because you're dealing with the people at the top, so it's a different. Yeah. They're all probably similar. The top of a manufacturing firm is probably similar to the top of a law firm. And, and even within the organization, ultimately, what we do is partner with them for them to find their best answers. 
as opposed to coming in and imposing our answers on them, is helping them find their answers. They have right. the, it, I tell people, I'm like the general, and I'm going to be on the phone with you, but you're actually on the field. <clears throat> so there'll be times I'll say, okay, this is the best battle strategy, and you're going to look at me and go, it's not possible, because I know something here on the field you're just not seeing up there. Right. So it's a partnership. And they have to give you that feedback so you can make adjustments. Yes. It's a dance. Right. So I'm, I'm tempted. It's collaborative. It's it collaborative. Is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, the coaching is collaborative. In fact, part of what I do is something called a leadership lab. We do is a leadership lab. And what I tell them is during this lab, you and I will be collaborating. So in this collaboration, you're not only going to be a collaborator, but you can wear the hat of watching our collaboration mm-hmm. through this process. So do the practitioners, do you guys do your own sales and marketing, or has Emory got this thing built up where the phone rings anyway, or you got somebody out there kind of going out and creating these conversations? I'm curious how the sales and marketing piece of it works. You're looking at the sales. You're, you're looking at the sales and marketing piece. I am. Oh, okay. I am the sales you, and marketing you piece. <laughs> um, but so you have this conversation all the time. I no do. Wonder you're so good at it. I do all the time. <laughs> um, actually, you know, he does have 27 years. Right. I mean, it's so the quite, phone does ring a little bit. I mean, the first week of, of being with Mulling Corporation, I was sitting down with some of the top companies in Atlanta and quite frankly nationally. So and 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 being able to bring to them some new pieces that I was bringing in. So he's not afraid to be innovative, which is really interesting. He's had this core competency and he's been very successful. People know him. Um, and yet he was he's he's looked at some of the things I'm bringing in and he's been right away after he evaluated did his due diligence. <laughs> <laughs> he he aligned with what what some of the things I was bringing in and that's was fantastic. happy to do it. Absolutely. And that's so, great like, for you to have be part of an organization where you can contribute at that level. You're not just a cog in the machine, right? You feel was, like you're having input in the direction. Oh, absolutely, no question. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of due diligence, and and of course, he brings in his expertise and his knowledge because he's got a background in HR and and. and was in it for decades with large corporations. So he, he, he will listen to some of my more entrepreneurial, because I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. But that's time. probably a different prism than his prism, right? That he's been working in the corporate level for so long. Well, he, he actually has been an entrepreneur. He was in corporate, and then he was an entrepreneur for a uh-huh. long time. So he's got that piece. Um, and actually, today, corporate has to have an entrepreneurial perspective right. in order to remain relevant and competitive. Right. So that's part of what we ri- actually bring is this entrepreneurial perspective to large organizations. What incredibly rewarding work this uh, this must be for you. This, wow. This has got to be a lot. Of, and you must sleep really well at night knowing you're genuinely helping these folks. Well, what's, what's fun for me is when I first started decades ago, um, having to justify the, the ROI for human development. And even today, I was just with one of our major um, clients who's a $1.2 billion company, global company. She was still having the conversation. My CFO wants to know what the bottom line is around this. And, of course, luckily we now have statistics. We have all kinds of numbers and, 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 and relevant um, stories about how this really does impact bottom line to develop your people. Now, is that part of the process when you're uh, kind of pitching your services to them? You have to have some metrics, like, oh, a, yeah. like a baseline when you start and then a ROI at the end? Absolutely. Well, it, this is part of what we, our educational process is helping them see some of the intangibles, right. but also there are tangibles. And there's now enough body of work, there's enough time, 27 years he's been doing it, it's, it's developed over time. So now it's easier than it was when I started. So what's an example of where you can put a, like a dollar amount today and then a dollar amount, you know, 90 days or six months after you began? 
Well, obviously, in the sales organization, it's easier because then you've got you've got numbers like that. I right. mean, and two of my clients, one um, actually went through a, a transition outplacement program um, and went from one industry to a totally different industry and did the leadership lab that I referenced. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went into um, Edward Jones, which is, you know, financial industry. Sure. She literally just broke every single record they'd ever had. And she definitely attributed it to um, her coaching through, through the leadership lab. Um, one of the things, she went to her big meeting <clears throat> in St. Simon's getting all of her awards, and they asked, how did you do it? And she said, well, oddly enough, it was all between my ears. <laughs> and she goes, and my coach encouraged me to schedule my breakdowns. So I was allowed to have one breakdown a week at a nice. particular time. <laughs> so before I was just whenever the mood struck. Because <laughs> like, a lot of the high-powered sales types, which she was, although she was coming from the legal field, um, they tend to run really hot and fast. Right. And so they do spin out. So helping them learn the secrets of the slower And pace. knowing that this is predictable, like this totally. is going to happen totally. on a regular basis. And totally. then they, and make them aware of that and go, you know what? When that happens, we save that for Tuesday evenings. Right. That's when that's allowed to happen. It's allowed exactly on Tuesday at <laughs> 7. Um, and then another gentleman that I worked in the sales organization um, last year, he was tanking. And we worked for a year. And this year he's already made his um, quota. And it's July. So there, those are some real quantifiable things that right. you can pin down and show. And so in sales, it's very, it's pretty clear you can do that. Yeah. But even with um, less like manufacturing, et cetera, you can really put together some metrics and be able to show. Well, I'm sure reduced turnover. Isn't turnover like crazy expensive? Well, it, right now, retention is a big concern yeah. um, because the last year of the baby boom, um, it's 1964, December of 1964. I remember this because my brother is that. Um, and they're turning 50. Then the millennials are coming <laughs> along and they're like in their 20s. So imagine two basketballs and a garden hose. So what's getting ready to happen in between the two basketballs is this huge diminishment of people. Uh-huh. So if you have talent, particularly in a, in a, a sa- sales organization where, you know, youth is and, and, price point because a lot of the baby boomers are staying longer you know right because mm-hmm. of the economy right exactly um and because they're just want to keep working right they love it they right. love they're very engaged um but right now if you've got talent and they're in that 30 40 range you better keep them because they're not many of them right so retention is very important so this is where we go into you know the cfo and talk about how much does it cost you to replace right. your top salesman or even your top um, uh, project manager? How much does that cost you? Because they're not lining outside the door like they were. That's right. And that's why it's important to be able to identify the next one so that you identify them, groom them, keep them. It's a lot cheaper than going out and keep finding new ones. I, I, I just posted... Um, Facebook. Yes, I do Facebook. Um, a, a quote, and it said, it was like a little dialogue, and it was the CFO speaking to the CEO going, what if we spend all this money on our on developing our people and they leave? And the CEO says, what if we don't and they stay? Right. 
That is Pick some real wisdom there, right, right there. <laughs> no, that's a fantastic point. This has been an incredibly marvelous investment of my time and energy because I walked away with both creative abrasion and scheduled breakdowns. That's so I go. certainly got my money's <laughs> worth out of this. Uh, we got to have you back. Right, we got to we got to check in with you from time to time and learn what's going on. And uh, you mentioned you had some Atlanta-based clients. I think it would be fun if you guys are up for it. Uh, maybe come back with a client sometime and sure. kind of get their perspective on how you guys work together. I, would you, you'd be up for that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think it would be interesting to see because I'm always curious about what makes a company all of a sudden have the self-awareness to go, you know what, we got to hire an yeah. expert in this. And, it, it, you know, because it's that where the especially the executive feels like I should know this, you know, and then I'm being vulnerable by asking an outside firm to help me on something that maybe I should know already. I mean, it takes a special leader to be that self-aware and vulnerable, I think. Well, some of it is self-awareness, and some of it, unfortunately, like human nature, it's just a crisis. In other words, leadership leaves. We, we have no leader, and we're needing to get a new leader in and then integrate them in. Right. Or we've got somebody who's not behaving well, and we've got to do conflict. So it tends to be a pain point. That's something... Like urgent is happening. Urgent has got to happen. Um, so that's when we can come in. And then as the self-awareness develops, then you can come in and, and actually talk about right. things kind of ethereal like leadership development. So that's your point of entry is a crisis. But then once you're there, they see the value and then the, then you kind of stick around for a while. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're going to do this again at some point. In the meantime, thank you so much for making the long commute all the way from 1200 Abernathy. I know. Right. <laughs> I could have walked. I really could have. Uh, but let's make sure that we leave our uh, listeners with, with contact info if they want to reach out and have a conversation with you or someone else on, on the Mulling team. It's mulling.com. Very easy. My email is rachel at mulling.com. Very easy. All right. And, David, let's give them coordinates and info once again on this upcoming uh, ACE. ACE conference, August 5th from 8 to 4.30 at the Marriott Northwest on Interstate Parkway. And uh, to register, just go to um, astdatlanta.org slash events. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for Lee Cantor, our friends at Training Pros, our guests this morning, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Learning Insights. Although we stout, stout.